Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. In this episode, we'll be talking about my least favorite but incredibly important topic, health, wellness, and weight loss through nutrition and healthy eating. I'm joined by a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and wellness educator who has become a highly sought-after weight loss expert and influencer. She's the creator of the popular To Be Mindset weight loss program and consults on nutrition for major companies like Beachbody, Whole Foods, Curves, and others. She conducts luxury mind and body reset retreats throughout the year all over the country, and she has a private practice in Los Angeles, California. Ilana Molstein, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, you're like a wellness nutrition dietitian superstar. Yes, and certainly <laughs> weight loss expert. That's... And weight loss. Yeah, Which, weight loss is definitely, you know, a hone in of my expertise and that involves, you know, postpartum weight control throughout pregnancy and it involves kids and also helping parents deal with their children and their weight issues. So kind of across the gamut. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I definitely have worked and do work with other things, food intolerances. I did my residency at City of Hope cancer, you know, medical center. So I definitely have experience in all facets, but because I've personally lost 100 pounds, I've been leading weight loss seminars at UCLA for many years. I created, you know, a very big weight loss program. It tends to be the clientele that I relate to and work with the most. I have health food intolerance. I will definitely help you with that. Thank you very much. I want to, before we get into the mechanics of what you do, let's talk about uh, your story. Where did you come from? How did you get involved in nutrition and health and wellness? So I was obese starting as just a really early kid. I was always the bigger kid in the class. And back then, pediatric obesity was just a lot more rare. I stood out like a sore thumb. And my pediatrician told my parents that she wasn't going to take it anymore. And she sent me to weight loss camp at eight years old. Oh, my. At eight years old, I went to upstate New York. I went to Camp Shane. I didn't go to camp with any of my friends. I started taking my before and after pictures, going on the scale, taking nutrition classes three times a week, at every week, all summer. Old? Yeah, for nine weeks every summer. Every summer? Every summer. You started at eight and you kept started going Started at eight and I would lose weight in the summer, but I would just gain it all back in the school year. So I would have to go back the following school year. So I would do that yo-yo pattern for years. I ended up doing it for about five, six years where I would just go back every summer, try to lose 30, but then I would gain 40 all school year. So I just got bigger and bigger, like incrementally larger every single year until I topped off at my highest weight. I was about 13, 14 years old and I was 215 pounds. I was only five feet, two inches tall at that point. I was obese. My doctor was already seeing like elevated blood sugar levels. She was already seeing my cholesterol be, you know, I remember her telling me that she was seeing like lab values, the equivalent of what you would see in like a 56 year old man. Mm. And I was just an adolescent teenager. So at eight years old, though, was it, it all started. like bad habits or anything? Or were you just like born a little bigger? Or You know, my family always blamed the fat gene where, you know, we were all very overweight. So it was very convenient to just say, okay, well, we have the fat gene. And I definitely do have those genes. I definitely have a metabolism still to this day, which I feel like is of, you know, postmenopausal woman. But, uh, you know, I've worked with it. And, you know, I certainly was preoccupied with food. I was very different than my friends, not just in my genes, but my behaviors. I was 
emotionally more connected to food. I would mindlessly eat all night while watching television. I think like my parents were getting a divorce at the time. I was probably, you know, looking at food as comfort from such a young age. And that would only just grow more and more with the fact that I would have to go on these strict diets every summer and then want to rebel and all that stuff. So, But you somehow got from the fat gene to the skinny gene. Exactly. (laughs) Because there's over 20 causes of obesity and genetics is only one of them. And so you can always manipulate and work with it. And that's what I finally had to discover at around... 14, 15 years old, when I was at my highest weight, uh, finally, I like just changed my mindset. I'll never forget it. I was like, Alana, enough is enough. You keep losing and gaining the same weight, but yet your knees and your ankles and your elbows and your hips, like they're not going anywhere. Like this is your body. You can't just keep trying to rebel against it because you're only rebelling against yourself. And you only have this one body. You might as well make it rock. And that's when I just dove right in and was like, how am I going to figure this out? Because I'm a volume eater. I just am not an upholder to diets. Um, I can't. When people tell me to this day things they've tried and done, I just look at them and I give them so much credit. Like I have no discipline in that sense. Mm. So I had to figure out how I could eat and still live my social life but um, lose weight in the process. And I had to get really creative and really crafty, and it started working for me. So I decided I needed to help others do it too. And I wanted to become the utmost expert in the field, which meant becoming a registered dietitian, getting my master's degree in nutrition, and thankfully honing in more and more on what's helped me has continued to now help over, I'd say, 250,000 people, which is really cool. Wow. And thriving. If you can imagine how many pounds that is. It is millions. It's like literally over a million pounds. pounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's super exciting. Um, First of all, I tried all those things that you're talking about. Really? For, oh, for sure. I think everything I can think of. I tried the cabbage soup. I can't, I tried I can't even imagine doing something like that for even a day. Well, I, give you I a lot do of them credit. for about a week, right? And it's like, oh, cool. This is working for a week. And then um, usually by 10 days into it. You realize you're human. I'm bastardizing the plan. So I think this really well-intentioned nutritionist came up with a plan when I was in college called the soup diet. She's like, hey, look, it's good to have a lot of water and liquid. So if you're Water having, first, veggies most. That's, <laughs> that's my slogan. That's your slogan. So she came up with this idea, and she's like, okay, have, but soup is very high in water content, and uh-huh. it usually has a lot of vegetables. So if you just have like for – I think it was a 30-day challenge, three soups a day for 30 days or something like that. And then so I was like, okay, fine. I'm, I like soup. <laughs> I'm right. not, I don't discriminate when it comes to food. So Me too. Uh, I was always the same way. I was never like picky. If it was food, I'd eat it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a donut. It could be anything. <laughs> exactly. It could be coleslaw. I would right. Use, but so on the first day, it was all like, you know, veggie soups and cabbage soups and all sorts of different soups like that. And then uh, by the third day, it was more like cream of broccoli soup. Uh-huh. Uh, fifth day, it was like more potato soups and chowders and other words for soup. And yeah. then by the seventh day, I had created- it was chili. Chili would be wonderful. I created the uh, footlong hoagie soup, and I was having it like nine times a day. <laughs> I, I did like, the same thing. My parents tried to put me on like Weight Watchers for at one point. It was like the only thing I ever did aside from camp. And I remember there was like all these free foods. I just like owned that free food oh, yeah. list. I think bananas were free. I bananas. remember eating just tons of bananas. I used to come out like a monkey from the supermarket. <laughs> Weight I would, Watchers like, clear is them out. So. Silly. I mean, I, I took from Weight Watchers the best of that what works. And there's a lot to Weight Watchers that will work, which is community engagement, 
the sense of you know weekly accountability is helpful and using the scale. I'm a big fan of the scale and journaling. But ultimately, Weight Watchers has changed their point system literally 50 times mm-hmm. over the past 50 years. Points, points plus, points this. But at the end of the day, if you get anyone just writing down their food and using the scale and having that sense of accountability and support, anyone's going to lose weight. I was like buying points from other people. <laughs> or like, remember those fruit chews? Like the whole oh, like yeah. chew is, oh my goodness, such garbage. One time in college, my parents uh, sent me I just got a delivery of Slim Fast. Yeah. I was like, this is an interesting package. I it mean, just came out of nowhere. I was like, hey, how restrict- about some Slim Fast? Right. And then I was away for a while and I came home and I think I gained weight. And they're like, didn't you get the Slim Fast? I'm like, yeah, it's delicious. It's so good to wash the pizza down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Slim Fast, I mean, anything where you're restricting your calories in that way, you're going to lose weight. But at the end of the day, you can't eat soup forever. Right. You can't you know, only drink chocolate shakes forever. And even a point system, which, you know, I give Weight Watchers a lot of credit because it's definitely one of the best next solutions. Um, But I just didn't like this whole concept of points counting or calorie counting because I feel like it's just this negative emphasis all day. You start your day with a bucket and like a budget, but all day you're counting down from it. So it kind of makes you paranoid about food. Oh, yeah. So you like don't eat breakfast because you want to bink all your points to go to an Italian restaurant at night, and the same thing with calories. And I, I didn't found- eat breakfast or lunch. I would wait like till right before bed and just eat everything in the fridge. Right, and it would be within my points. Exactly. The problem is, is I just found that all of these things and all diets all together, they might help you lose weight, but at the end of the day, they actually make you more preoccupied with food. And my whole system is not only do you lose weight, but you actually become more and more and more indifferent to food. I love food, and you'll always love and enjoy food, but you actually become so much more free. For, like, you don't end up thinking about it much, which okay. is— i got to find out more about that. Yeah. Um, before we go into our first break, can you tell me the difference between nutrition and dietitian, nutritionist and dietitian? Yes, gladly, because I think you've had um, a lot of, quote-unquote, nutritionists on the show— The problem with the word nutritionist is that anyone can use it. So it's kind of like the difference between a cook and a chef. Like you should have to go to culinary school to call yourself a chef, but anyone can call themselves a cook. Mm. The word nutritionist is not regulated in America. So any person who reads a nutrition article can claim that they're a nutritionist. You could read some blog posts. You could take a two-week course, three-week course, and there you have it. You have the title. A registered dietitian is the utmost like golden standard to call yourself a real nutrition expert. It requires very stringent like pre-med academic undergraduate curriculum it's biology chemistry biochemistry microbiology organic chemistry one and two with labs it's really intense physiology and advanced nutrition courses and including nutrition of the life cycle like soul classes on just pregnancy which i loved and then there's also you have to get into like an internship like a residency wow so that's super intense it's clinical rotations where i did my work at city of hope medical center and also community centers so like wic centers and others and then you have to take a board's exam and pass it and then you have to do ongoing education And I also got a master's on top of that. Wow. So it's like a lot more education, time, and energy. It wasn't a a three-day weekend. No. And it's crazy to me how many people are taking these like integrative nutrition courses that are three weeks and, you know, making real businesses out of it, which is fine because it's always helpful to have a lot of people helping other people get healthy. It's just the problem is they're not really held to a board versus I'm 
held to an accreditation standard where everything I say has to be evidence-based. Mm-hmm. Every registered dietitian has to work on an evidence-based practice. That's an important distinction. So yeah. it's a really big distinguisher. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I really want to get more into the details of your approach. Totally. Because they clearly work for you and so many other people. Yes, thank Really you. popular right now. And um, also specifically how these principles apply to pregnancy and postpartum. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back with Alana Molstein. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart. Literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Ilana Molstein. So uh, let's talk about your principles because they work. Yes, they do. And that was my whole thing is I was working at UCLA creating this 12-week weight loss seminar with 100 UCLA employees every semester. And I ended up teaching for 10 semesters. And I remember after my first pregnancy, my daughter Olivia, like I had to get back into weight loss mode. And I taught, you know, a million principles at that point and put it all into my seminar. But I was finally like back into weight loss mode myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was exhausted. I'll share the story on this podcast. It's so appropriate. But I remember I was exhausted because I was nursing my daughter all night. I was working with a private client in my office in Beverly Hills. And I was like, listen, it works. It always works. Just follow these four core principles because no matter what, no matter what program you do, no matter what else you listen to me, these four principles just always work. And they were helping me just melt my weight. And I put up my pointer finger, my middle finger, my other pointer finger, my middle finger. And I just said, it's water first, veggies most, use the scale and track what you eat all day. And as long as you follow these four principles, you're going to lose weight. And when I was looking at my fingers, it kind of looked like two bunnies, like two peace signs. (laughs) And it just became a cute, catchy way to sum it all up for people. So it's like the first video within my weight loss program is the two bunnies. Water first, veggies most, use the scale and track your food throughout the day. What do you mean by that? So water first is just drinking. Is that because you said you're a volume eater? So do you become a volume drinker? Actually, every person is somewhat of a volume eater. They just don't like to admit it. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I'm not a volume eater. And it's like if you actually look what they're eating throughout the day, they're eating more calories than most people. They're just eating a dense amount. You know, they're eating high volume in calories, but not necessarily like anything that's keeping them full. So a couple of crackers here and, you know, a spoon of peanut butter here and a couple cubes of cheese. And it doesn't seem like it's a lot, but it actually is a lot more than they need. So we all 
would benefit from drinking water first. The studies consistently prove that if you drink 16 ounces of water within 30 minutes of your next meal, you will eat less at your next meal without having to think about it. It's just subconsciously you are feeling more full and more satisfied. For a couple of reasons, water helps you lose weight. That's why I have a slogan that's more water, more weight loss, uh, which you can see over and over again. First thing is it takes up a lot of room in your stomach. It takes up a lot of weight. The weight in your stomach in and of itself quiets ghrelin, our hunger hormone. Also, our stomach is growling all day, every day, just because that's how our muscle movements are working. That's peristalsis. That's digestion. But if you have food or water within your system, it helps absorb the sound. So when you drink a lot of water, your stomach doesn't even growl. Like you shouldn't really never feel that hungry. Um, it just it calms you before eating. You normally think, I'm starving, I'm panicked, I got to eat right now. When you drink 16 ounces of water first, you are instantly at a greater sense of calm where you could think rationally, okay, I'm hungry, what do I want to eat now? So, And then if you run into the snack closet, you probably have to pee because you drink so much. Totally. So it detracts you. It 100% detracts you. It 100% gets you in more steps throughout the day. And yeah, it keeps you busy at a party. If you're drinking so much water and you're peeing all the time, you just miss when they bring out dessert. By the time you get back, it's half eaten. It doesn't even look as good. <laughs> it's just like a, it's a happy accident. I think I have hypergrelinosis. I agree. I totally get that. I want you to start drinking literally 100 ounces you of water. You think it will flush the ghrelin away? I know for a fact it will make a difference. 100 ounces? That's like a gallon. I drink like 150 ounces. You do? When you When you drink like the pathetic little bottles like this, this is 16 ounces, which I look at as like a baby bottle. I drink like 30 to 50 ounce water bottles. And then you could just focus on three by three, like three bottles by 3 p.m. If you make it something you focus on, it's one of the easiest tips that you can do to just start losing so much I'm going to have to take a little urinal with me wherever I go. That's fine. <laughs> That's a lot of water. My dad will yell at me because my dad's lost like 40, 50 pounds with me in my program and is keeping it off. But he'll sometimes call me after a movie. He's like, I left the movie five times to pee. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a happy, like, it's not an issue. You look great. And he's yeah. like, you're right. And he'll hang <laughs> up the phone. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to you, they're going to have to bring back the intermission in movies. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So that's water first, half of the first bite. Yes. And then veggies most. It has to be what we fill up on. And it doesn't have to be like you're eating boiled broccoli all day. But thankfully now in 2019, like this concept that I've been saying for years has kind of caught up with the general public, we have cauliflower rice everywhere, cauliflower mm-hmm. mash, zoodles, like the zucchini noodles. Yeah. Last night I made these jumbo burgers. You just do one pound of cauliflower rice with one pound of ground meat. Like Ooh. legit don't taste. It, it's the easiest way to eat veggies. Wow. Um, it's got to be veggies. Nuts. I think potato chips is the easiest way to eat veggies. It, it really is the number one source of a vegetable that we're eating potato? is fries. Yeah, oh, potato yeah. in the form of fries and chips. But that doesn't fall into veggies most. No, no, no. <laughs> the starchier vegetables I classify as more of like a FFC, a fiber-filled carbohydrate. Veggies, I mean like those low-starchy ones we absolutely love. Those Obviously, are my lettuce, FFBs. What? Those are my FFBs. What are FFBs? My FFCs. Or your, maybe it's my BFF. Your BFF, right? <laughs> Um, My CFF. Well, the thing with carbs is that they're addictive. So I totally include them within my program. I just kind of teach you how to approach them in a smarter way that actually I'm really focused on making people feel less addictive to food, like more empowered around food. And the bottom line is if you're hungry, if you're not drinking enough water and you have a piece of bread, I'm the same way. It's going to be almost impossible to stop eating it. I hate you because as you're talking, I know you're right. Yeah. But why don't I do it? (laughs) Well, 
You will. I, I highly recommend. You'll start with water first. And I, honestly, I recommend not just veggies most, but first bite veggie. For someone like you who's not interested in veggies, it's more important that your first bite is a vegetable than eating veggies most. Because I'm almost more interested in being audited by the IRS. It's like to say I'm not interested in veggies is an understatement. I may not be the only one. Well, a lot of people tell me they hate veggies. And honestly, I wish... And I have to make an Instagram post of this. I wish people would cross out the H, the hate, and I write ate veggies. And, and right, <laughs> exactly. I ate veggies. No, but would cross out the hate and just be like, I'm not used to veggies. Oh, that's probably true too. It's not that you hate veggies; you're just not used to them. Damn you, Alana Molstein. Yeah, it's one of these things. It's like the more you eat something, the more you you're apt to eat it. The more you do anything, the more apt you are. So, What's, like, but for like. Uh, What'd you call it? A C C F F F F C fiber filled carbs. Yeah. So for an F F C kind of guy, what's a good veggie that like to transition into butternut squash? Okay, I'm in. Yeah, butternut squash is good. I could do um, that. It's relatively lower on the starchy vegetable list. Like, I do the zoodles too, but we make them like with cheese and stuff. Great. Okay. So I'm all about that. Like I still eat a lot of cheese. I love barbecue sauce. I love ketchup. I love spicy mayo. I like condiments are totally fine. And when mm. anyone starts like bashing salad dressings, I get so mad mm. because I eat so many salad dressings. I love condiments. I love flavors. They just have to be on veggies most, not on fries. Or a spoon. Honestly, I have it on a spoon. Mm. Have it on a spoon. But it's honestly the vehicle that we eat those condiments with that becomes either the issue or the greatest thing ever. Right. So, like, I have a cauliflower rice risotto recipe where you just take cauliflower rice, like frozen cauliflower rice, and you melt, like, cheese wedges on top, and you put it in the microwave. And, like, literally it just tastes like risotto. Yeah, that sounds fine. What time's totally dinner? Fine. Yeah, exactly. So it's delicious. So that's veggies most. And then the scale, I'm a big believer in the scale. Yeah, let's talk about that. I'm a big believer in the scale. Like every 20 minutes or like? Every day. I actually have a principle. Every single day. The daily scale. Same time of day? First thing in the morning without clothes, after peeing. It doesn't have to be every day. Like if you feel like you ate a lot the night before, you're super bloated. And this is honestly only for weight loss and within my program, so you're doing it in the smartest way possible. It's not just like anyone on the earth should just go on the scale every day. The point of my program, Going the Scale of the Day, is it gives people a lot of validation that they could actually eat big, satisfying, delicious meals and keep losing weight. A lot of people don't believe that they could eat. A lot of people think that the only way to bring the scale down is to not eat or do something really drastic. So it's important for a lot of people just starting my program to realize and trust themselves around food. Like you could actually eat a lot. Like that cauliflower rice risotto, baby carrots and hummus and you know, even a burger for lunch, like maybe take off the top, have a smart breakfast, and you, the scale will still go down. It's, it actually becomes really enlightening and empowering for people and improves their relationship with food because the less you go on the scale, the more of a thing it becomes. If you go on it, it actually just works as an accountability tool and a reference point for what's working and what's not working. So I'm a big fan of the scale. I'm written up in like the Journal of Obesity for my research on the scale. I just Yeah, because it's so many programs say don't don't look at the scale every day. Wait a week. Yeah, a lot of personal trainers tell people not to, like to avoid the scale because they feel like that derails them from seeing all the other benefits that their body is having. But at the end of the day, when I was 100 pounds overweight, I didn't necessarily feel different in my body day to day from a salad, you know? So I had to figure out like what actually works and what actually doesn't. And I always found, and I see this with every person I ever work with, people only gain a lot of weight when they're avoiding it. Mm -hmm. 
So every time I yeah, because you said personal trainers tell people to avoid the scale, and I was like, the little voice in my head must be a personal trainer because it's always telling me to avoid the scale. <laughs> well, the problem is we live in a society that's so obesity prone. Like everywhere we go now is food on the counters and food in waiting rooms and everything. So if you avoid it, it's likely, especially if you have a weight issue or it's always been something you're working on, it's probably not going to go down. Mm-hmm. It'll probably stay the same at best or slightly go up like five pounds a year, which you would never feel. But four years later, it's 20 pounds. And now it's like, oh, snap, what do I have to do now? I don't look anything like my Facebook profile picture. <laughs> what about when you're doing that everyday check-in on the scale – with no clothes to boot, and then it goes up. Yeah, so that's when you really have to build a muscle. So I created like my brain muscle? A brain muscle. Okay. So I created my tracker, which comes with the program when you get my program, which it's kind of designed that once you go on the scale, you you really state like how you feel because you want to bash it in the tracker. So I have like weight, current state. So sometimes you're like, this is BS. Like, what? I was expecting a good day. But you take it out there and just journal it. And then you can reflect back because I have, did you use the bathroom the day before? How well did you sleep? Like, how much water did you drink? Was it a later meal? So you have to just kind of look at it as a learning tool. Day to day, it's going to fluctuate like crazy. So you'll really look at it like week to week for mm-hmm. overall progress. But, you know, a lot of women say, you know, their weight always went up when they got their period. Now they actually stay the same or they could even lose weight through their mm-hmm. period. So you really have to learn your best tendencies. And I I found personally, whenever I would interview women over 50 who were at a good weight, like Beverly Hills housewives, you know, and like little suits and every like little Chanel suits, I'd say like, oh, how often do you go on the scale? And they'd always be like, oh, not that often. I'm like, oh, how often? And they'd be like, oh, just two to three times a week. Not that, <laughs> you know, and I, I just consistently kept finding and studying that people who had a better relationship with weight and their bodies just tended to go on the scale more often. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely see with my clients and with my program, it's really used as a tool to make you feel very empowered. Because right now, we live in a society where everyone's telling you what to eat. People are telling you to have MCT oils in your coffee. And people are telling you to fast for 16 hours a day and whatever it is and eat keto and all these ridiculous things. But if you know that you're writing down your food, the scale's going down, you're feeling good, it really helps you quiet the noise from the exterior and help like hone in on what actually you need to do to lose weight and feel good. Yeah, and so far from everything you're saying, it, it sounds like I think oftentimes, at least for me and, and probably for a lot of other people, it's more like I want to do this program, but I got graduation coming up and then there's a holiday and then the, before you know it, you go a whole year because there's never like a never gap a time. of time where yeah. there's nothing going to happen. But with your thing, you can find water everywhere. Everywhere. It's and, like the most evergreen plant ever. That's why I'm proud <laughs> to represent it. Yeah, and you can find <laughs> veggies pretty much everywhere. So like the things that you're talking about are doable mm-hmm. under any circumstances. It's not really a reason to not do it today. Right. I would say life only gets harder, so we just have to get stronger. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So the four things we talked about, water first, veggies most, use the scale, and then track what you eat. Is that a pre-track or is that – I have like a way to write down your food and record it so that you're not counting calories and you're not even like using a food scale or measuring, stuff like that, but really kind of just like the basics of recording. And I definitely go through this in more depth and understanding within sure. my To Be Mindset program. But, but is it, do you pre-plan what you're going to eat for that day or just as you're doing it, you? 
I mean, I don't because I have two kids under four and I have like a crazy life. But, you know, some people who are more type A or organized, they like to plan ahead for their week. So I have within the tracker like a way to plan ahead for your week if you want to be a super organized about it. But again, like life happens. You might have a meal that you wanted to bring to work and then you look in your front seat and you forgot it. And so you're going to have to order in from a restaurant. And I, I teach you how to do that. Step on the brake too hard and it falls off and splatters all over the that passenger side floorboard. You have to be able to go to a convenience store. You have to be able to go to a restaurant. You have to be able to travel. You have to be able to go to events. So like within my program, I literally have a video for everything, like going to events and parties where I break down a two-hour event, a four-hour wedding type of event, a travel that's two days, that's five days, that's a work trip, that's a family. So like everyone is like understands exactly how you can keep losing weight and living this way through life's You've ups and downs. I am busy. Uh, before we go into Good this busy. break, I will say a nutritionist told me one time, nutritionist, not a dietitian, mm-hmm. uh, to put more colors in my food palette and then everything will be okay. So I started having the rainbow sprinkles on my diet <laughs> every morning on my donut and after two weeks, no change. No change. So. Well, I appreciate her philosophy like mine, which is add more things in versus focusing on what to take out. Hmm. Uh, We still don't talk about pre- and postnatal that much. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll tackle that. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Alana Molstein. (laughs) Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We are talking to Alana Molstein. Let's talk about pregnancy and postpartum. So first of all, just healthy eating during pregnancy. Do you apply the same principles? Yeah, so my first pregnancy kind of hit me like over the head. It's totally scary for me because I had at that point been down 75 pounds. I'd always focused on losing weight. So starting to see the scale go up. Plus I was pregnant with a girl, which I think just makes you extra crazy. (laughs) So I had a very hard first pregnancy, but then, you know, coming off of it, it actually was the best thing ever for a lot of reasons when I got my daughter. Mm. But also I feel like it brought me back into weight loss mode, which I hadn't been in so long. And that's when I can really hone in on my practice. And I ended up losing more weight During that first pregnancy, I gained like 38 pounds. I think, like I said at the start of it, I have a very slow metabolism. I definitely have that gene where I, you know, sometimes my clients lose tons of weight eating more than I could ever. So I'm like, rock it, like just own it. But, you know, I think in my pregnancy, I kind of wanted to be quote unquote like pregnant. You know, I just wanted to go out to pizza and kind of do whatever I wanted for the first time like ever. And I gained like 20 pounds in a month. My doctor was like, what is going on? I'm like, (laughs) what is going on? I have to be cautious. Like within my pregnancy, I have to be super, you know, I just have to be on it, which is fine because that's what I'm used to. I actually didn't even feel that natural just going to a restaurant and loading up on a lot of bread because it doesn't necessarily sit so well with me. So after I had my daughter, I gained about 38 with her. I remember I was like, I'm not hitting that 40. I was just like determined not to. <laughs> and then after I ended up losing more. So I got down to my lowest weight. And then when I got pregnant with my son, Julian, years later, I found it was just so much easier to eat similarly, like to just keep with my 2B mindset. And actually, two days before I delivered my son, I delivered the 2B mindset pregnancy modifications. Literally two days before, I am like nine and a half months pregnant in that video. Wow. Yeah. So I ended up eating, you know, pretty similarly throughout my pregnancy. Of course, there are extra cravings. Of course, there's hormonal swings and there's treat times. But 
the better you eat through your pregnancy, the more active you are. I just find the better mood you're in, the better you recover. And I definitely had to learn from like what not to do for my first pregnancy to kind of realize what I wanted to do for my second. And it made a huge difference in just how I felt day to day and post. So uh, during pregnancy, if you start with excess weight, do you advocate for losing some of that weight early in the pregnancy? A lot of OBGYNs would actually make that recommendation. So I always go by what the woman's doctor is going to recommend. I recently was seeing a woman. She actually just delivered her baby, which is really nice. But I was seeing her literally, I think I was the second person she told after her husband that she was pregnant mm. because her first pregnancy, she gained 80 pounds. She had gestational diabetes. She had preeclampsia. And her doctor was like, no way. And she actually started this pregnancy heavier than she started the last one. Oh, wow. So her doctor said, absolutely not. Like, you really shouldn't gain any weight. In fact, told her if you actually lose 10 pounds throughout your pregnancy, it would be quite healthy. We didn't manage that, but listen, her first pregnancy, she gained 80. Her second pregnancy, we got it down to about like 28, which is amazing. She didn't get gestational diabetes. She didn't get preeclampsia. She had a healthy, thankfully, pregnancy and delivery. So I'm very, very happy I got to see her through that cycle. Oh, that's really cool. And it also depends what you're eating. I mean, totally. And if you're getting the exercise as right. well. And she didn't have gestational diabetes the second time, like very likely due to the fact that, you know, just as much as I was focused on her weight control, I was highly focused on just keeping her blood sugar steady from day one. Every time she was eating, you know, carbohydrates, they had more fiber in it. We were pairing it with proteins, and I gave her a lot of better solutions on how to eat throughout the pregnancy so she didn't have to face those issues. So, I mean, it really depends on what your doctor is saying. Most doctors recommend that if you're at a healthy weight, you gain anywhere between 25 to 35. If you're overweight, gaining somewhere between, like, 15 to 25. So you just have to – if you're obese – you know, depending on where you are in the spectrum, your doctor will recommend what he thinks is best. Mm -hmm. And then in the postpartum phase, many people want to get back to their pre-pregnancy body quickly, but then there's got to the be... The nursing. Yeah, the nursing, and you don't want to, like, be giving your kid water. So how do you do that? Well, for all the new mamas listening, because I know that this is the Informed Pregnancy Podcast, I really, really recommend drinking so much water once you deliver for more milk. I'm so excited to talk about this here because I never really got to speak about this too publicly. But a lot of times people will say in order to get more breast milk, you should eat more carbs. Like you should eat barley or oatmeal and things like that that are really dense. But if you really think about it, your body's trying to produce more liquid out of your body. Mm -hmm. So one of the best ways to do that is to put more liquid your in body. your body. And I keep meeting all these women who are eating all this oatmeal and – all of these different barley and farro and quinoa to make more milk. And they're not making more milk because where are these ounces supposed to come from? And for me, like I drink so much water after my pregnancy. I ate carbs, but like a moderate amount, not excessive to get milk. And I literally flow out. And I think a lot of other women I work with feel the same way. Like the more water you drink, the more breast milk you should definitely make. So, well, if oatmeal did it, I'd be engorged. What? If oatmeal did it, I'd be engorged. <laughs> really? Do you eat so much oatmeal? I, well, I mean carbs in general. Oatmeal, <laughs> cereal, pasta. All of those things. Yeah. I'd be making a lot of milk. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically, sure. Um, so, I mean, but I definitely work with that population a lot. A lot of women I work with who are having, like, fertility issues and they're overweight will come work with me. I'll help regulate, you know, their blood sugar levels, help them lose some weight, and it really improves your fertility. Then I certainly work with women through pregnancy and most certainly post, for sure. 
Let's talk about some of your programs. So you're talking about the 2B Mindset. The 2B Mindset is my weight loss program out with Beachbody. With Beachbody. So where can people find your 2B Mindset program? You go to 2BMindset.com. That's the number two, the letter B, mindset.com. And you can get the kit right away and actually start watching the videos. It's a series of short videos that ends up being like the equivalent of 10 to 15 private sessions with me. Some people binge watch them all in one night. Some people spread them out through a week or two weeks. And then you'll get in the mail a delivered kit within a few days of all of the other recipe books, go-to guide, tracker book, like the best water bottle ever, (laughs) and all these other details to really optimize your weight loss and success. I recommend everyone just get it today because – you know, Beachbody, they're a really awesome partner in that they have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you really have nothing to lose but weight. And uh, you can get it today and just get started. It better be the best water bottle ever. It's going to get a lot of action. It is literally the best water bottle. that <laughs> gets a lot of action. I had all these parameters on what I needed in the perfect water bottle, and we made it all come true. What and- does 2B stand for? Uh, so in one sense, it stands for my two bunnies. Uh, oh, the two bunnies. <laughs> and it also stands for, you know, the fact that you're really going to get to wherever you want to be. Oh, I thought it was my two bellies. <laughs> <laughs> two I'm, bellies be gone. Yeah, I'm going for the one bee mindset. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also do these mind and body retreats. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, I host these mind and body reset retreats. I actually just got back from the Monarch Laguna Beach where I had women over Memorial Day weekend. Is it always women? It is primarily women, yeah. And sometimes, like, a woman would come with her husband, and he, you know, is involved. But um, it's mostly women. Like carrying the bags involved, or does he actually No, he can actually come to meals and really, you know, be in touch. But it's definitely something that you want to come because you're motivated, because you not only want all the tools to learn how to lose weight, you want to gain the belief system that you actually can. And I— Are they focused on weight loss? Well, a lot of women are actually who come on them are like at their ideal body weight because they had already lost like 25 pounds with me in my program. And now they're looking to create that sustainability. So it's, you know, literally on this last retreat, I had women anywhere from 120 to 320 pounds. And it's really kind of just like a non-judgmental place where everyone is at their own level and I'm taking everyone to their next personal level. But it's also really cool because they make such a camaraderie of friendship. So sometimes people come with their mom, their best friend from high school but then literally like this last one I did no one came with anyone like they all came on their own and they all left best friends like that really amazing so yeah I I host them everywhere my next one I'm going to do is in carefree Arizona I love the name carefree Arizona (laughs) so um, that'll be cool and I'll do those as long as I possibly can I also came out with a to be mindset certification which is cool because a lot of people wanted to take their success with the 2B Mindset to their next level on a personal sense, but also help others do it as well. So I also have a 2B Mindset certification program, and I still see my private clients. You're kind of busy. I have a. I would uh, say life is better busy than bored. That's for sure the truth. Do you still struggle sometimes with uh, food choices? Totally. I mean, I personally, I was saying to you earlier, like I feel like I'm in a postpartum stage. My son stopped nursing. I have tried different birth control things that totally rejected my body. I feel like I lost four pounds in a day and then like I gained eight the next day. Like my body just totally went whack with the hormones. So again, like I had to, you know, really reflect. I had to track. I had to see like what's working, what's changing, what's different. Thankfully, you know, I, I'm pretty strong in this to be mindset. So people don't believe when they come to my house that it's coated with 
challah bread, cookies, <laughs> like tons and tons of just, I mean, I try to get like bean chips for my kids and, you know, better for you things-ish, like, you know, cookies made with like whole grains, but I still have this stuff all over my house. But thankfully, I'm at a place where it just doesn't tempt me because I'm like really strong in this, what people now coin the to be mindset. So I definitely have points where I feel like I overeat. There's no person I've ever met in my life who doesn't sometimes feel like they overeat or could have made better food choices. But I really try not to overthink it too much. And I just reflect, oh, well, I probably should have eaten a snack before or something like that. And I move on. I think that a couple of things, my closing thoughts here are that just because you have a fat gene doesn't mean it has to express itself. Absolutely. And uh, it's similar to other genes. You could be predisposed for diabetes but have a lifestyle that prevents you from ever getting Absolutely. it. Um, and so it's really cool how you went from having that fat gene express itself and finding a way to 